Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Well, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. I'm just going to read the one verse. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let us pray. Father, how I thank you for the service, how I thank you for everyone that is here, Lord. Uh, I thank you for your Holy Spirit working. Uh, God, I pray that, uh, uh, Lord, thank you for the the song and the testimonies we've heard, Lord, how they have encouraged our heart this morning. Now, Lord, as we look to your word, uh, Lord, I know that your word is powerful. I know that it can open hearts. I know that it can deal with uh, um, the hearts that are here this morning. And so, Lord, I pray that you would uh, allow your Holy Spirit to move into each and every individual here. Uh, Lord, may you speak to them on their uh, particular need this morning, I pray in Jesus' holy name. And amen. You can be seated. So. On Wednesday night, not everyone comes on Wednesday night, but on Wednesday night, uh, I guess a long time ago now, we started a study called The Explicit Gospel. And when the very first day that we rolled that out, uh, now you got to realize on Wednesday night you have primarily the backbone of the church and primarily very mature saints. And there was some kind of some looks on faces like, why are we studying the gospel? I've been saved for 40 years. Uh, Why are we doing this? Uh, As we have went through that study uh, over and over again, not once, not twice, but over and over and over again, during the the Wednesday night service and uh, outside of the Wednesday night service, I've heard this comment. I've been saved 40 years. I never knew that. I've been in church all my life. I never knew that. I've never heard this before. So um, I, I say that to say this, please do not sit there this morning and think, I got this all figured out. I don't need any help. Okay? Uh, because if you feel that way, you probably might as well go home and eat lunch right now because uh, I'm not going to be able to help you. But I believe that, I, and, I, and I don't say this in a degrading way, but I believe it's becoming more and more clear to me, in church, we do not understand the gospel. We, we do not. And, and you say, oh, yeah, I know the Methodists, they got it wrong. The Lutherans, they got it wrong. You know, the, the church, oh, we, we, can, we can point fingers. But what about the Baptist? What about the free will Baptist? What about us? I, I am more and more convinced we do not understand the gospel. Listen, guys, we can get a lot of things wrong. We can't get the gospel wrong. Amen? We've got to get it right. We, we've got to get it right. And, and so I will say this this morning. I, I, I hope that you, will, uh, that you will be open-minded and listen. I hope you allow the Spirit to speak to you. And if you happen to be sitting here this morning and you got it all right, and you don't need uh, any uh, adjustment to your thinking, can I tell you this? You need to be reminded. You need to be reminded. See, I, I've... I've I've been studying this gospel for a long, long time. Uh, I have put in just 
an innumerable amount of hours studying just the gospel itself. And even with this message, it spoke to me. It, we, guys, we don't get to the place where we don't need this. There's always a depth. It amazes me the depth of the gospel that you can go deeper and deeper and deeper. So I, so I hope you'll be open-minded to that uh, um, this morning. It is important that we get it right. So one question I want to ask, I, I guess this is a, a, um, an old Sandhill question. Or, um, we, we say this a lot around here. But just as a reminder, when the Word of God contradicts how you feel, what should you do? Anybody ever do that? You're reading your Bible, you're reading something, you think, now I don't feel like that's right. Guess which one's wrong? <laughs> okay, your feelings or, or God, all right? So we've got to go with the scripture. I'll be honest with you, this scripture that we're looking at this morning, we're going to try and dig down deep into it, but this scripture this morning, it feels wrong. It does not feel right. It does not seem as it should be right. If Gary will think in a logical way, Gary will say, this cannot be. But can I tell you, the word of God is more powerful than my thinking or my feelings. And you have to set aside what you feel and what you think and what you believe, what you've been taught. And we have to allow the Bible to speak to us. Um, before I get started, let me just brag a little bit. Uh, I want you guys to tell me how great I am. I alliterated this message. Aren't you happy with me? All four points start with an S. I mean, it's, it's amazing what has happened here. Uh, it's like a miracle from God that I did that. So I, I, just, I just had to brag a little bit before I go on the message. So <clears throat> that is extremely hard for me. Josh does it by accident, and I can't do it on purpose. But anyways, <laughs> uh, the, the first thing we want to look at, um, these are all the fundamentals of the gospel. You really, you can't argue there's no wiggle room. This is just what the Bible teaches uh, so, but I want us to look at a deeper look at the gospel this morning. But the first thing we see, um, the first he is God, God the Father, and but he hath made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin. Now, first thing we got to understand is Jesus Christ was sinless. You say, Pastor, we've heard that before. I know, but I want to think about it. Now, we know that for eternity past, he was holy God. He was God Almighty. He, he sat in heaven and he had never had any sin. He was holy. But he put on flesh and came and lived. And I want you to understand that he was holy God and he was holy man. But I want you to understand he had every weakness that we have. He had temptation like we have. He got tired. He felt bad. He, he had all the things that you and I have. But he never sinned. And we kind of get used to thinking that and we kind of get used to hearing that and, and, it, and it doesn't maybe stand out a lot to us. But I want you to fathom this. For 33 and a half years he lived, he never experienced sin. I, I want you to think about Jesus never had a bad thought. How many of us can't make it through a day? An hour, right? Without having a thought we shouldn't have. He never had a bad attitude. See, we think of sinning. Well, of course, Jesus didn't commit adultery. He didn't go out and get drunk. He, no, no. He never had a bad attitude. When they pulled the beard from his face and spit in him and then drove the nail in his hands, he had a good attitude. Now, think about that. We, we kind of joke around about here. If someone cuts you off in traffic, we're going to kill them. How about if they pull your beard out, spit in your face, and drive a nail in your hand? How's your attitude? 
Right. But Jesus never had a bad thought. He never had a bad attitude. He never had a bad motive. Everything he did, he did it for the right reason. I just want you to imagine how astonishing it is that Christ was sinless. Every action that he did, every word that he spoke, everything that he did, uh, every second of every day, his entire life, he was sinless. And I know that's not a new thought, but I want you to think about it. Sin was a foreign concept for Jesus. So Jesus, even in his humanity, was here and sin was way over there. And those two things never came together. Okay, so that is pretty amazing. That that is a pretty amazing thought. But then we look at the second thing substitution. Now we understand substitution. Uh, when we were in school, uh, those of you that are still in school, you have a regular teacher. Sometimes you have a substitute that takes the place of the one that was there. Substitute is something that, that steps in where something else was. It substitutes something. So we have the substitution of Christ. So it says, uh, th this is really astonishing. This is, this is mind blowing. But but Jesus Christ, who had no sin, who knew no sin, was uh, the Father hath made him to be sin. That is really astonishing. So Jesus Christ comes to the end of his physical life. He has never for eternity past, nor for the 33 and a half years he lived here. He's never had any sin, never known any sin, never did anything. And all of a sudden, he foreign, the, the, the sin is a foreign concept to him. And the Father now says, I'm going to put sin on you. When, when Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he cried, Father, not thy, uh, uh, let this cup pass from me. Can I tell you that, that I think it is wrong doctrine to preach that Jesus was uh, fearful to go to the cross. I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. Uh, that he understood the agony of being crucified, that he understood the agony of being scourged, that he understood how all of the shame and all of the things that he was going to go. I, th I think that's really, really bad doctrine. You say, why do you say that, Pastor? Because we have many, many witnesses, uh, multitudes of witnesses, of t even of today, of martyrs who have been burned at the stake and had their heads taken off and been tortured and all the different things that happened. And they were rejoicing, going to it and praising the Lord and saying, this is, this is great, I get to go see Jesus. Jesus, right? So you're saying that Jesus was less than those martyrs? He wasn't as strong and he fell into the way? No, no, no. He was not, he was not worried about the cross physically. He knew he was going to experience the sin of the world and the wrath of Almighty God. So, so how do you, this is important guys, this is really important. How do you take something that is sinless, has no sin in it, on it, never has committed sin, is a perfect sinless thing. How do you take something that is sinless and make it sin? Someone explain that? Any takers? God supernaturally took all of the sins of the entire world from Adam all the way to the last person, took every sin and he supernaturally put them on Jesus. You say, Pastor, explain. I, I can't explain. I just know that it's true. So Jesus literally received all of the sins of all of the world was laid on Jesus. He was made to be sinned by the Father. 
Now, this is important. Once Jesus received the sin on him, he is now judged guilty. Can anybody fathom that? Can anybody grasp that? Jesus, the sinless Son of God, is now standing before the Father guilty. What's he guilty of? The sins of the world. Now, because God is just, he is a just God. He, 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 if he ceases to be just, he will cease to be God. So he has to remain just. So God the Father uh, now looks at his son and says he is guilty of sin. Now, God the Father only has one option. He cannot lessen uh, the, 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 uh, the, the severity of the punishment. He cannot, he cannot say, well, that's my son. I'm going to take it easy on him. I, I don't, I'm not going to make it as hard on him because it's my boy. He, he could not say, to be a just God, he had to look at sin. And God the Father is still holy. And he looks at sin and he says, I cannot accept sin. I have to punish sin. So God, get this. God takes his whole wrath, the weight of all of the wrath of God, and he pours it out on Jesus, all of it. He didn't hold anything back. He literally poured out hell on Jesus. Now, literally, and this is mind-boggling, Jesus experienced an eternity in hell and on the cross. You say, how do you experience eternity in a few hours? Well, you'd have to be God to do that, wouldn't you? You'd have to be God to do that. But literally, he took our hell, all of it, on the cross. Now, he was separated from the Father. The Father turned his back on him because he had this, the guilt of, of sin on him and because he poured out his wrath upon him. But very important, a big, a big fancy word in the Bible, King James Version word, we don't use it, but propitiation. Propitiation. That means, uh, that means that the debt was paid in full. God was satisfied. All of the sins of the entire world were now paid for. They were completely, uh, God had poured out all of his wrath. There's no wrath left. And God was satisfied that all of the sins are now paid for. And God could remain holy and God could remain just because he had punished sin and it had been paid for. Now, Jesus on the cross, when, when his last uh, breath, he said, it is finished to tell us paid in full. It's over. It's done. Listen, there's no more that can be done. Do we get that? There's no more that can be done. Jesus paid for the sins of the entire world. Finished. It's all done. And not to get ahead of the lesson, but can I tell you it's heresy to think that we can? When we think we can add to what Jesus Christ did, that's heresy. Amen? That, 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 is, that is false doctrine. <clears throat> So all of that is astounding. All of that is amazing. Uh, um, we, we can all be in all of that. When we think about Jesus paying for the sins of the whole world, that is amazing. But can we stop for just a minute and make that personal? 
Brother Kenny, I want you to know that everything you've ever done wrong since you were a child until this day, personally, Jesus took your sin. I want every one of you to think about that. Listen, we don't have any perfect people here. We don't have any sinless people. Every one of us has sinned and sinned grievously. Before you were saved and after you were saved, you have sinned a lot. And I want you to think personally about you deserve hell, but God took your sins, he took Gary Sorrell's sins, and he laid them on Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ took my hell so I wouldn't have to. And that is the gospel. That, that is the gospel. And that is staggering, and that doesn't seem right, and then that doesn't seem logical, but it is right. And after Jesus dies on the cross and pays for the, the sins of the world, he goes into the grave, and he, and he rises from the dead, and he defeats death, hell, and the grave. He takes the keys from Satan, and he rises victorious, and he now says, it's all paid for. Will you receive it? And guys, can I tell you, I don't care how many times you've heard that, that's an amazing story. That's an amazing story. And then we get to that we. That we. Who is the we? Can I tell you this is a very specific group? Listen, Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world, but the whole world doesn't get this verse. It says that we... We're going to get in, here in a minute what we're going to get, what the we get. But I want to make very clear who are the we. It is only those who are born again. That's it. Right? It does not include anybody else. There is a doctrine that goes around that Jesus died for our sins, and so he already paid for them, so, so we're all going to heaven. There is, there, there's a lot of false understanding of that, but can I just tell you, the Bible is very, very clear. Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. You cannot go to heaven without being born again. It doesn't matter if you've been in church all of your life. It doesn't matter how good you live. It doesn't matter what you do. Unless you've been born again, you cannot go to heaven. That is the we. That is the we. Now, all of that is amazing. It is, it is astounding. But I don't think any of that compares to the last part of this verse. Now, I'll be honest with you. Doesn't seem right. Doesn't make sense. But it is what the Bible says. It says that we, those who are born again, might be made the righteousness of God in, in him, in Christ Jesus. I want you to understand if you have been born again, you are positionally just as holy and righteous as God Almighty. You say, Pastor, that cannot be true. Well, here's something you need to think about. Here's something you need to consider. If that's not right, does anybody know what the qualifications for getting into heaven is? 100%. Listen, if you're 99.9% .9 holy, you're not going. It takes 100% sinlessness to go to heaven. You don't get to go unless you are 100% righteous. Why is that? Because God cannot fellowship with sin. 
If you go to heaven and you're 99.9% holy, he's going to say, I can't have anything to do with you. So the only ones getting in are those who are as righteous as God. And can I tell you, we get to be as righteous as God because of Jesus Christ. That may not seem right. That might not feel right. That might not set right with your logic. But I am as righteous and you are as righteous as God Almighty. If we have been born again, we are sinless in our position before Christ. Christ's blood. We, We talk about the blood of Jesus And the blood of Jesus gets talked about a lot, but we need to understand what the blood of Jesus was. Book of Leviticus teaches us that the life is in the blood. Jesus lived 33 and a half years. He was sinless. He never did anything wrong. And then he he shed his blood for us. And we say we are covered by the blood. Anybody glad to be covered by the blood? But what does that mean? That means that I am, I am covered by the blood of Jesus, which in translation means I am covered by the life of Jesus, which in translation means when God Almighty looks down at me, he does not see Gary. He sees Jesus because I'm covered in the life of Jesus. Therefore, I can stand sinless before God, holy and acceptable because of Jesus. And that is the gospel, guys. And, and can I just tell you that if, if you think that doesn't, set well with you there's no other way to get to heaven we have to be sinless this is so important guys it's no longer about us or our works but about christ alone any gospel that comes up with we need jesus plus anything is false doctrine I don't care if it's baptism. I don't care if it's going to church. I don't care if it's paying time. I don't care what it is. When you say it takes this, Jesus plus this, you have now entered into heresy. Because Jesus only can get you to heaven. Listen, there's, there's nothing else. There's nothing else that will get you there. It takes the focus completely off of us. And we, and we said that the gospel is, is misunderstood. Uh, but how many good people in church believe that they have to be good enough to go to heaven. Doesn't that sound pretty good? Again, if we go back to our feelings and our logic, I want to make sure I'm good enough to go to heaven. You don't understand the Bible. The whole point of the Bible is you can't be good enough to go to heaven. (laughs) That's the whole point. And if you couldn't be good enough before you got saved, you surely aren't going to be good enough after you get saved. Listen, it's it's either all about Jesus or it's nothing. Our theme this year, our our theme in in 2022 is all things, all things Christ. Can I just say everything in this church is about Jesus Christ? It cannot be about anything else. It is not about you. It is not about the people of this church. It is not about any of those things. It's not about the works we do. It's not about youth camp. It's not about anything we do. It is about Jesus Christ only. And if it's anything else, guys, it's not church. We've been preaching about what is, what is church, what is church, and there are so many buildings around the United States, you know, thousands and thousands of buildings across the United States, and many of them have Christian above the door, and many of them talk about Jesus, but many of them are all about the people that are in the building and what they want, but can I tell you, that is not church, and that is not Christian. Christian is all about Christ, and it is not about us. 
And I feel like we've just about got that down at Sand Hill. <laughs> How long did it take us to get out of our head? It's not about us. It's all about him. And that's what we've been learning in Sunday school. That's what we've been learning on Wednesday. That's what we've been learning in, on Sunday morning. In the, in the, all that we've been learning is, is about that book. Guys, this is all about Jesus. So all of that being said, all of that is astounding. All of that is amazing. It's, it's really mind-boggling. Uh, that is the clear gospel, uh, just as clear as, as, as you can make it. Uh, um, and, and we could have brought out many, many other verses. But I want to take what we have learned, and I want to use it for some application this morning, and, and just to really make it clear. If you understand what we have just taught if you understand the gospel, can I tell you, you don't get the option to say, I've been so bad, I can't be saved. I've done so much, God doesn't love me. I think God, uh, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to put God out because I've just done so many wrong things. I, 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 I know I can never be one of his now. You don't get to say that, guys. Because whatever you have done, if you've been a rapist and a child molester and a prostitute and a drug addict and a murderer and, and, and everything else you can put on that list that we think is horrible, God has already paid for that. I love being able to stand up here and say, it's one of my favorite things to be able to stand up here and say, but I love as a pastor to be able to stand up here and say very, very confidently, if you are here this morning or anyone who ever walks into our church, if you are here, I don't care what you have done, God can save you. Why can I say that? It's already paid for. It's already paid for. That, that, that worst sin you can possibly think of, God has already made the payment for that sin through Jesus Christ. And so you don't get to, and it sounds really humble and it sounds spiritual, it sounds like they need to make all these excuses. And you know, people like to say, well, if I go to church, the roof will fall in on me and I've been so bad, God hates me and, and, and all these different things. But the truth is, all of that is just blinders from the devil. The truth is, Jesus came here for the worst of the worst. If you study the Gospels, where did Jesus go when he came here? Can I just tell you my interpretation of the scriptures? You can read it however you want to, but this is how I read the gospel. It's almost like the religious people were an obstacle he had to work around because he was trying to get to the harlots, to the adulterers, to the drunkards, to the publicans. He was looking for the bad people and he didn't say, oh, this one's going to be really tough. This, is, this one's going to be really hard. They've had a really bad life. The woman at the well, oh man, this, is, this one, she's done a lot. Of, it's going to be a really a struggle. If I, I don't know if I can pull this off. No, he came to seek and to save that which is lost. You don't get so bad that it's a strain for God. He's already paid for it. And if you come into church and you are lost, it does not matter what you have done. All you have to do is say, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and he will take those away from you. Isn't that astounding? If we believe this doctrine, I wish we had a house full of lost people this morning, but if we believe this doctrine, I want you to understand this very clear doctrine. If you go to hell, you will go to hell and burn forever for sins that were already paid for. Isn't that staggering? You're burning for eternity, suffering forever, and all you had to do is say, Jesus, uh, can I get what you paid for? And you didn't want to do that, and so now you get to pay for what he, for what he already paid for. 
So, listen, guys, there is no, I'm so bad, God can't save me. And by the way, there is no, I don't think I'm that bad. Okay? Unless you mark up to God's holiness, you're that bad. Okay? So you need to be saved. But moving right along, um, let us look at Romans chapter 6. Um, I actually just learned this. But Romans chapter 6. So, so we can preach this doctrine, and a lot of people don't like to. A lot of preachers are afraid to preach what I'm preaching this morning. And I've heard a lot of people say you shouldn't preach what I'm preaching. And, I, and I've heard people really, really down on what I'm preaching this morning. But, but here's what they say. If you tell people it's all about Jesus, then they will say, I'll get saved and I'll just keep on sinning. Because, hey, it's all about Jesus. That's easy believism. Uh, that is very popular in our land. Come down, say a prayer, continue living the way you are. You'll go to heaven just because you prayed a prayer. Can I tell you that's not contained in the Bible anywhere? You'll not find that in the Bible. It's not in there. But people say if you preach it's all about Jesus and that it, it's not about us, then people will just continue to live in sin. It won't matter how they live. Grace will cover it. Now we know that's a very popular teaching in our, in our world, in our, in our country, in our churches. We know that's a very popular teaching. Uh, people want to abuse grace. But I want us to look at this. So Paul has for five chapters in the book of Romans, he has been arguing very, very articulately and very uh, dogmatically that all have sinned and that all are guilty and that none are good and, and that we're all worthy of hell. Every person is worthy of hell. And then he brings it around very, very clearly and he says, the only way to make it to heaven is not by the law, it's not by works, it's not by, it is by Jesus Christ. That's the only way to be justified. And after he makes all of this argument for five chapters in the book of Romans, and I, and I don't know if somebody made this comment to Paul or if he just knew that's what the people were thinking or he was kind of thinking ahead of maybe where their, where their mind will go. But he starts out verse 1 and he says, What shall we say then? So we've just argued that all are guilty and we've just argued that it's all about Christ and we've just argued that it's not about works, it's only about Jesus Christ. We've just argued that. And Paul said, now what are we going to say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Hey, it's all about grace. It's all about grace. It doesn't matter how you live. All you got to do is have grace. You get to go to heaven. That is being preached. That is heresy. That is not found in the Bible. That is not right doctrine. But can I tell you uh, that Paul said some of you are going to say that. Let us just go on sinning. It's all about Jesus. And then he says, God forbid. And that sounds like a pretty strong word, even in our language, even in English, in the King James Version. It sounds pretty strong. But here's what I did not realize. When you look up that word, God forbid, in the Greek, you know what it actually is saying? It's not possible. It's not saying don't do it. It's just not possible. Is, is anybody getting that? Do I need to run that by some of you? <laughs> like, okay. Let us just get saved. Let us just pray a prayer. It's all about Jesus. I'll just continue living in sin. 
I'll just continue doing all the things that I want to do uh, anyways. It's about Jesus. And, and he said that grace me about, hey, I'm bringing glory to God because it's all about grace and what Jesus did. And I can live as sinful as one. And his grace is just going to shine because I'm living so sinful. And Paul literally said, that is not possible. <laughs> That's not possible. If we look at 2 Corinthians, if you go back to where we were at, 2 Corinthians, again, very familiar scripture, 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17, <clears throat> Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If you know Gary at all, if you've talked to Gary at all, you know this. And I, and I don't say this with apology, and I don't say this and try and be nice. It burns me up when people make salvation a light thing. It burns me up. It, it makes me so mad. I, 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 it makes me so mad when the gospel is ripped. Listen to me. The gospel is not, oh, you feel bad, you get emotional, you come down here, you pray, pray, go back to see, going to live like the devil, going to come back, get saved again later, in and out as you want to, live as you want to, sin when you want to. Listen, that is heresy. That is not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ supernaturally changes who you are. You are not the same person, and you can't be the same person. It's not possible. Old things are gone. New things come in and you will be different if you are not different you did not get saved I've heard people say well pastor I know that I'm saved I prayed a prayer and I know I was saved I felt it on the altar I don't care what you felt and I don't care what you did if your life didn't change you didn't get saved you're still going to hell it will make you different or you did not get it and if a person thinks they can come to the altar and pray a prayer and continue living in sin and go to heaven, they will be desperately surprised when they reach the end of, uh, the end of their life when they die and go to hell. And it, and it troubles me greatly that I think in America, and probably other places, but particularly in America, there is going to be multitudes. You know, today gathered in church on Sunday, there are probably millions of people in the house of God. But Terry, I just wonder how many of those are really going to heaven. If the rapture comes on at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, how many people are still going to be sitting here? Listen, there are a lot of people who think they are saved. Professing is not possessing. When you possess, it changes who you are. If it does not change who you are, you can profess all day long and go to hell. Here's a question for you. I don't have the answer for it. And this is a deep, this is a deep thought that you can think out, and, and I, don't, I don't really have the answer for it. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7, they come to Jesus and they say, We've prophesied in your name. We've cast out demons in your name. We've done all these things in your name. We were religious people doing religious things. We were Christians. We were church people. We did all this here. And Jesus looked straight at him and said, I don't know who you are. Depart from me. Get out of here. That's a little bit of a paraphrase. But, but he said, You're not mine. Now, here's a question. The Bible doesn't really answer it. And, and I've kind of thought long and hard about this. But here, here's a question I want to ask you guys. Those people in Matthew chapter 7, are they ignorant or are they rebellious? I don't know. I don't know. Here's another question for you. How wrong can you be 
in ignorance and still make it? I don't know the answer to that question. There are a lot of people who've got this gospel all wrong, not even remotely close. It's not even really doesn't even resemble the Bible in any way. But I know this, there are people in the pews who have been taught that from preachers and they think that they're saved through ignorance and it isn't even close to what the Bible teaches. Now how will they stand on the day of judgment? I don't know the answer to that question. But I do know this. You can only be so wrong and still be right. Does that make sense? You can only be so wrong. In other words, you get far enough away from the truth, you're not right anymore. You're, you're not going to make it to heaven. So this is a very, very serious thing. So, so if you think that you are saved, if you think that you are a Christian, if you think that you've been born again, but you just have continued in sin, I would challenge you to examine your life. And one thing we don't want to do is find out after it's too late. Amen. I want to point out in back in Romans chapter six, I want to point out the word continue because we're going to learn here just in a minute. We say it almost every Sunday here. Everybody sins. But this is continue in sin. There is a difference. There is a difference in living your life to the best of your ability to be in Christ and honoring Christ and letting him live through you and live the very best life you can. And every once in a while, your flesh has its way. There's a difference between that and continuing on in sin. Do you guys see the difference? Can, can you guys understand the difference? There's a difference between I'm just going to continue doing all my bad things. I'm going to continue living in sin. I'm going to just continue my lifestyle of doing wrong. There's a difference in that and truly uh, desiring to please the Lord. Can I tell you, I, with all of my heart, God being my wisdom, I want to please God. Sister Bessie, there's times my flesh doesn't do what it ought to do. It, it angers me. It frustrates me. It, 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 I, I can't stand on my foot. But my flesh doesn't always do what it's supposed to do. But I always want to do what God wants me to do. <clears throat> so if you understand this doctrine, you won't live sinful. Can I get an amen? amen? If you understand that Jesus took your hell and all of your sins and he paid everything you owed and all that you have to do is put your faith in him and live for him, you will not go on carelessly sinning. If you do, and you do not understand the Bible, you do not understand the gospel, and you are not saved. And I also want to make that really, really clear. I want to make that really, really clear. Guys, hell is a serious thing, and we don't want to miss hell, miss heaven and go to hell, but, but I think it would be horrible to think you're saved and at the end find out you never were saved. And the Bible says you will stop sinning if you truly are saved. <clears throat> now, next thing I want to go to, and I think you need this. I'll just be honest, I think a lot of you need this. So we kind of got two different categories here. We have those who say, um, grace will cover it and I'll live sinful. That's not biblical. But then we have those who say this, well, I got saved and I put my faith in Jesus and I, I believe that he paid for my sins and just as long as I don't do anything wrong, I'm going to make it to heaven. <laughs> I asked Brother Sonny, I said, when he was up, I said, brother, I, I, I don't understand it. And I, and I don't understand this. If some of you are smarter than I am, I don't understand this. I don't understand how a lot of preachers get up and say, they say, it's all about Jesus as long as you do what's right. It's all about Jesus as long as you live a holy life. 
It's all about Jesus as long as you do good. Listen, it can't be both. Does anybody get that? It can't be both. <laughs> it can't be all about Jesus and all about you. It's got to be about one of you. It ain't it about both. So you think that Jesus paid for your sins and you accepted him as your savior and that he's going to let you go to heaven as long as you're good enough. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. That's heresy. That's heresy. Because you have taken the focus off of Jesus and put it on yourself. But these people, they, they like to come to church and say, oh, I just feel so unworthy. I, I'm just not good enough. Well, obviously you're not. <laughs> we know that. You're, you're, we're all broken sinners. Everybody here, listen, everybody here is a broken sinner. We all need Jesus. We all fail. We all make mistakes. We all do things we should not do. We need to understand and accept that we do those things. And we need to understand it's not about us. It's about Jesus. Now, some people say you totally contradict yourself. One time you say Christians can't go on sinning because they're not going to be saved. But then another time you say they will go on sin, And that's confusing. It's really not that confusing. If you intentionally are living a life of sin, you're not saved. If you're doing your very best to be a Christian and you sometimes fall down, you are, uh, you are being human we got to put the flesh to death as we've been learning but all of us are still contending with the flesh and if you're truly saved you're a new creature old things are passed away all things have become new and you're living a different style I believe you guys might have me fooled but I believe that I am preaching to a congregation of people here this morning who love Jesus can I get an amen I believe I'm preaching to a congregation of people who want to please Jesus. Amen? Amen? Want to do what Jesus wants us to do. And I think you guys are some of the best people. I think this is one of the best churches in any place in the, in the country. And, and I, I think you guys are some of the best people that I could ever pop. I'm like, Brother Jake, I'm just a privilege to be a part of you guys. But even though I believe you guys love Jesus, and even though I believe you guys want to be pleasing to Jesus, can I tell you your flesh shows sometimes? I don't mean this to be, I have to be careful how I say this. We're against immodesty, walking around showing too much flesh, right? We're against that. We know the Bible's against that. You know, you're wearing clothes that are exposing your flesh. But there's some people spiritually doing that. They're just, they're showing too much flesh. Their flesh is standing out. It is, it is a, a, a offensive how much flesh they are showing. Now, they can still be a Christian and still be showing their flesh, but we need to cover that flesh up with Jesus and not let our flesh be showing. Is that easy enough to understand? I hate, I've been, uh, Renee's not here. She'll probably, she'll probably watch this, but, but I, I don't, I hope I'm not alone. In, I hope I'm not alone in this. Um, I do my very, very best to live the very best I can. And God knows my heart. I really do. I want to please the Lord every second of every day. And I try very hard not to ever make excuses. I've been working a lot. I've been getting up really, really early. been working a lot of hours. Got a lot on me at home, a lot on me at church. Just all the things. My life is, is, is like a hundred mile an hour, you know, every second. And, and can I be honest? Sometimes I get tired. Sometimes I get home after a really hard day and I push really hard and I've got a whole lot of things facing me. And sometimes I'm not real nice to Renee. I'm supposed to be the man of God. I'm supposed to be the holy man of God. I'm supposed to be the leader of the church. Sometimes I'm grouchy. 
Ross, I hate to say that. Sometimes I'm grouchy. Renee was here. She'd say, amen, brother. Now, I try very hard to go back and say, honey, that is not the kind of husband I want to be. Will you forgive me? I, I do. I, I, I don't take that lightly. I don't say, oh, we're married, doesn't matter how true. No, I don't, I don't believe that. It matters how I treat. But what point am I trying to make? The point I'm trying to make is, at my very best, sometimes my flesh slips out. I try to cover it back up with Jesus, but it slips out sometimes. It makes me mad. It makes me so mad when Gary slips out. When I am grouchy, when I am hateful, when I am not friendly, when I am not what I need to be. Listen, you guys, you guys have all your definitions of sin. If you've got a bad attitude, if you're not being nice, if you're not being friendly, if you're not being Christ-like all the time, you're sinning. And I do that sometimes. And it makes me mad when I do that. I would love to stand here and tell you guys, listen, I'm always good to Renee. I'm always in a good mood. I'm always happy. I'm always sweet. I'm always just praising God, singing amazing grace. And all my life is just great. You should see me. And you guys need to be like me. But what I got to say is, sometimes Gary slips out. And it's not very pretty. Am, am I alone? Am I alone? But here's the thing, guys. It breaks my heart when I sin against my God. Amen. And if those two things confuse you, if you don't understand that, uh, it, it really, if you're a new creature, you can't, and you can't go on sinning and not feel bad about it. The Bible's clear about that. And if you are continuing to sin and not feeling bad about it, you're just simply not saved. <clears throat> so we don't get to wallow around in our sins. We don't get to, uh, I'm not good enough. I always, Listen, you're either saved or you're not. Can we agree with that? You're either saved or you're not. If you're saved, your sins are under the blood, you need to live right. If you're not saved, you need to get saved. There's not another category. There's, there's only two categories, righteous or unrighteous. That's it. We don't get to pick, I'm, oh, I'm saved, but I'm just so unworthy. Listen, get over yourself. Quit looking at yourself. Quit being prideful and put your eyes on Jesus. The, the kids did a, a podcast, and, and I was so proud of Rachel. Um, if you if you don't listen to the podcast, you don't understand. But Josh was like, "Oh," but she had such a good point. But you know, so many people are raised in church, and we've heard since we were kids that pride was sinful, and we think pride is look at me, I am something. You know, that's that's about the least problems we have with pride in the church. Very few people are like that, and this is what Rachel said. She said, pride's not thinking so great about yourself. Pride's just thinking about yourself. Now you just let that sink in for a minute. How many of you spend most of your time thinking about you? You're not good enough. You have your problems. You're, you, the, you've got this. You've got, all of your time is spent about you. You know what happens when you put away pride? You don't ever think about yourself. You don't think about your problems. You don't think about your shortcomings. You don't think about your woes and your this and your that. You don't think about you. Because thinking about you is prideful. And how many of you know prideful is sin? Amen? So, so we, 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 we can't be doing that, guys. We've got to get our eyes off ourselves. And on our, so I think this scripture clears it up real clearly. Uh, um, uh, 1 John chapter 1. I think, and very familiar scriptures again, but I think it really clears up this whole dilemma. John making it very clear, I believe. 1 John is just an amazing book. But he said... Um, verse number seven, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from some of our sins. 
Is that what it says? How many times have we talked about what all means? Listen, guys, all. All of your sins are cleansed, but your sins are either 100% gone or they're 100% on you. There isn't any in between. Right? But then he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive. <laughs> That's just funny to me. Uh, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. How many have we seen going around and really thinking, yeah, they sin a lot, but I really don't. You deceive yourself. We say all the time, you can't see your own sin. It's just such as if you could just pastor for just a little while, it's so evident we just can't see our sins. We think way higher of ourselves than we ought to. But if you say you don't have sins, you just deceive yourself. You do have sins. Bible's really clear of that. But aren't you glad for verse number nine? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, I want to ask this question, church. Who is John writing to? Christians. This is not a verse on how you get saved. This is a verse on what happens after you get saved. So after you are saved, you will sin. If you say you don't, you're making him a liar and you are deceiving yourself. That's what John plainly says. But if you sin after you get saved, confess it, repent of it, and go on. And he said his blood will cover all of your sins. And that's about as simple as I know how to make it. And, and, and you don't get a... Um, you don't get a Christianity that suits your way of thinking. Let me say this very, very plainly and very, very strongly. I, I don't really think we have this in this church. I, I, I hope this is all gone, but if it's not gone, let me just offend you real good right here. If you have the doctrine that says, I believe in Jesus, and as long as I'm good enough, I will make it to heaven, you are belittling the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And you are saying Jesus is not enough he needs my help, and you are making our Savior, uh, um, you are belittling Him, you are degrading what He did for you. Do you understand that? Oh, I want to be so holy and live so good for God. Listen, you can't help Jesus. You, you can't help Him out. It's either all about Him, or we don't have the gospel. Okay? Lastly, lastly, let me just say this. If you understand anything that I preached this morning... Uh, we've covered the lost. We've covered those who think they can continue sinning. We've covered those who wallow in a wall around and how bad they are. But let me just ask this question. If you understand what I've just preached this morning, how should you live? How should you live? I think the more and more and more we study this, the, the deeper it gets and the more, maybe the more eye-opening it becomes. But if you truly, and, and I'm sure that there's a lot of you say, Pastor, I've heard this, I've heard this over and over and over and over all my life, and, and I have too, but it's not got old to me yet. But I want to ask this question. If you really contemplate that Jesus literally took every time you did something you shouldn't, every evil thing you've ever done, he literally took all of that and he took it upon himself and then he allowed God to pour out all the wrath of God on him for what you did and now you're truly saved, how should you live? Oh God, now I want to be all in for you, but that's just, that's just too much right there. How do you do that? 
God, God, God's asking you to do a job. God's asking you for your time. God's asking you for a sacrifice. God's asking you for money. God's asking you for anything. How do you possibly say you paid for my hell? But I can't give you that. That's too much. Is anybody following me here? Listen, if we're truly saved and we understand this doctrine, there's only one answer. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We, we talked about many times, I'm not going to preach this morning, but there's a you know, big doctrinal conflict. Can Jesus be your Savior and not be your Lord? I say no. But if He is your Lord, which means He is your Master, which means He runs your life, there's one answer. Yes, Lord. Move to Africa? Yes, Lord. Give 20%? Yes, Lord. Be at church every day? Yes, Lord. Take that job that makes me uncomfortable? Yes, Lord. There's one answer, guys. There's one and one answer only. And I'm going to say this. I love you guys, but I'm just going to say this, okay? I say this lovingly, but I say it to make, I hope it's a little pointed. I believe you can be saved and maybe you haven't grown to understand the gospel and you're not fully yes, Lord, yet. And, and, and so this is going to hurt a little bit, okay? So, you know the doctor says right before he sticks that in, this is going to sting a little bit. Liar. You know, most of the time it's going to hurt a whole lot, right? Right, Brenda? But, but, but listen, you're ignorant. If you're sitting here at Sand Hill this morning, you're ignorant. You say, Pastor, I thought you loved us. Well, I'm, ju I'm just telling you. If you have a Christianity and you say you understand the gospel and you believe the gospel, I believe you, you could be saved. But when you have the option to tell him no when and when you want to and do when and what you, you do, Lord, you tell me and I'll decide if I want to do that. You're ignorant because if you understood, you wouldn't do that. Does anybody get this? Does that make sense? So when we all understand what I just preached, we will all here do anything he asks us to do. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we made together and embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.